This is Matthew 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went out on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warmed in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he had heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. Good morning, everybody. Um, I'm Marseille, and I go to St. Clair. And I'm glad to be here this morning to, hi, Mary, to talk to you in this gorgeous sunlight that's like filtering through the windows in this beautiful, beautifully decorated church. I, I love Christmas. Um, I have come through quite the week <laughs> at my work. I work in a group home with Indwell, and we have had the norovirus for the last eight days. I have never experienced anything like this in my life. 20 people sick, just like that, four staff down. It has been an incredible week. So I'm happy to be here to get through to the other side of that quarantine um, and, and just to settle and rest with you all this morning. So my mom's birthday is on Christmas Eve, 
Are there any other Christmas babies in the room? Hands. Christmas babies. Boxing Day is pretty close. Yeah. Um, Christmas babies often feel like they get the raw end of the deal, right? But we've always made a real point of making sure that we celebrated my mom, that it was her day. So every year, we celebrate her birthday open house style. Uh, Family and friends, they come in and out of the house all day long. And every year, I play the role of hosting. I attend to everyone's tea and coffee needs and make sure all the goodies stay topped up. And everyone has what their hearts desire. I am the hostess with the mostess, at least one day of the year. And it's these gestures that we most often align with good hospitality in our society. The word hospitality comes with a lot of assumptions. I have a cartoon. I don't know if we can throw the cartoon up. Have you seen this one going around on Facebook? So after the three wise men left, the three wiser women arrived, bringing fresh diapers, casseroles for the week, and of course, wine, right? So I got a real kick out of this, and I thought it was really appropriate timing for the, for the fact that I'm speaking on hospitality today. So from this cartoon, we can deduct at least one thing, that society thinks that women are better at hospitality than men. Maybe we are. I don't know. (laughs) Most people equate hospitality with tea parties and dinners with friends and family, and we imagine a warm room with wonderful candles lit and delicious smells and really nice music playing in the background and wine, always wine, red. Um, And our impression of this person that is providing all of these wonderful experiences is that they are such a good host. We associate hospitality with opening up our our physical homes to people that we know. But this perception is simply not rich enough. It's not full enough. Hospitality is a posture. It's an attitude and it's an approach to life and to relationships. It's not new. It's not hip. It's a practice that is deeply rooted in Middle Eastern and Christian tradition. Nowen says that it is is possible for men and women and obligatory for Christians to offer an open and hospitable space where strangers can cast off their strangeness and become our fellow human beings. As we've heard over the last two weeks, hospitality is about making space for strangers and interacting with others from a place of openness and not fear. It's about making ourselves available and welcoming to all people, both as hosts and as guests. Hospitality applies to the person who's doing the inviting, but it also applies to the invitee. I think it's pretty safe to say that Herod is the antithesis of hospitality. King Herod was tyrannical, he was ruthless, He was famous for these incredible feats of infrastructure, but there really isn't that much good that we can say about Herod. The words that describe Herod are suspicious, cruel, and vicious. He killed the ones that he loved the most. He killed his favorite wife and three of his sons, and he had no qualms about killing those babies in Bethlehem. 
Verse 3 says that when he heard that the Magi had come to worship another king, that he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. And that phrase really caught my attention as I was reading. I'm like, why was all of Jerusalem disturbed? You would think that the rest of Jerusalem would be excited about this news. Herod was disturbed because he felt threatened by the appearance of another king. But the rest of Jerusalem was disturbed, not because of the new king, but because they were worried about how King Herod might react to this news. They were concerned about what consequences it would bring upon them. Everybody knew that the Messiah, the consolation of Israel, was coming. He was going to come. But their hope of this was overshadowed by the fear of what the man on the current throne would do. It was a self-serving time. It was a time when everyone was looking out for their own interests. It was a world that was ruled by whim and not by truth. The people of Israel had become ambivalent about the Messiah, and they were more afraid of the mayhem and the damage that his arrival might bring upon them than expectant of the hope and the healing that his coming was supposed to bring. Fear is not the right environment for hospitality. In his book, Reaching Out, I would argue that this is the best now in book that's out there. I know we're a bunch of, no, we disagree. <laughs> I have read this book so many times, and I'm going to be referring to this book um, throughout my message this morning. Um, but in this book, Nowen writes about three movements of, of spirituality, um, the movement uh, from isolation to solitude, hostility to hospitality, and from illusion to prayer. So I love this book and highly recommend it. Um, this morning, I'm going to refer to the movement from hostility to hospitality. And he says, Nowen says, that a society full of fearful, defensive, aggressive people, anxiously clinging to their property and inclined to look at their surrounding world with suspicion, always expecting an enemy to suddenly appear and do harm, cannot experience community. And it is our vocation as Christians to convert this hostility into hospitality. Herod invited the Magi into his home, and he pretended to be interested in this child king that they were looking for. He asked them to come back and report to him um, where he was, but his invitation was made from purely evil and selfish reasons. Herod's invitation was made from a hostile place, but it did make me wonder what my motivation is, what our motivation is, when we invite others into our homes and into our lives. Nowen shares a story, a demonstration of hospitality gone badly. And I think I have it on a slide, because, yeah. Okay. I vividly remember the story of a student who was invited to stay with a family while studying at university. After a few weeks, he realized how unfree he felt and slowly he became aware that he was becoming a victim of the crying loneliness of his hosts. Husband and wife had become strangers to each other, and they used their guests to satisfy their need for affection. The host clung to the stranger who had entered their house, 
in the hope that he could offer them the love and the intimacy that they were unable to give to each other. So this student became entangled in a complex net of unfulfilled needs and desires, and he felt caught between the walls of loneliness. He felt a painful tension of having to choose between two lonely partners and was being pulled apart by a cruel question. Are you for him or are you for me? Are you on her side or are you on mine? He no longer felt free to go and come when he wanted. He found himself gradually unable to concentrate on his studies while at the same time powerless to offer the help that his hosts were begging for. He even lost the inner freedom to leave. Herod invited the Magi back under the false pretense of wanting to worship the newborn king when what he really wanted was to kill him. This couple invited the student into their home under the pretense of offering accommodation when what they were really looking for was an outlet for their loneliness. Both of these motives are distorted, and although very different situations, both King Herod and this couple open their space from a place of hostility, not hospitality. So it's good to reflect on our reasons for why we invite people into our lives, to regularly examine our hearts about the who's, the when's, and the why's as we ask people into our places. When we are isolated and lonely individuals, we can become neurotic like Herod or clingy like that couple with the student. And in this book, Reaching Out, it says that we can assure moving from a place of hostility to hospitality if we don't isolate ourselves, if we make room in solitude for God to enter into our space and vice versa for us to enter into his space. As we have heard, hospitality is a a long Middle Eastern tradition um, and still to this day, hospitality is a practice that, that Middle Eastern culture uh, uses. And although there's no mention of it in Matthew 2, there's no doubt that Mary would have welcomed the Magi into her, home, into her home. She would have washed their feet, she would have gave them food, and she would have offered them a place to sleep. And when we open our places to guests and strangers, we also open ourselves to the gifts that they have to offer. Everyone knows that the Magi, whether they were three men or more, we don't really know how many they were, but they did bring three gifts uh, to Jesus. And those gifts were gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Noun says that the Old and New Testament stories not only show how serious our obligation is to welcome the stranger in our home, but it also tells us that guests are carrying precious gifts with them, which they are eager to reveal to a receptive host. So when we consider the significance of the Magi's gifts and what they foretold, gold meant for a king, incense meant for the divine, and myrrh meant for the death and embalming, we can see how precious and meaningful these gifts are. These gifts were heavy with foreshadowing, And if Mary had not received the Magi into her home, they and we today would not get to experience the importance and the significance of what these gifts had to offer. When we we make room in our lives, in our homes for guests and strangers, 
We make room for powerful moments and encounters that are packed with meaning. And the gifts don't have to be these. They don't have to be pretty packages with bows. They could very well be just the sharing of stories or the exchange of new ideas or the simple joy of that like gut laughter that you get when you're with other people. When the wise men arrived at the home of Mary and Joseph and they saw Jesus, it says that they bowed down and worshipped him. But if translated exactly, it literally means they joyed a great joy very much. They joyed a great joy very much. I love that. I wish that's what this said. (laughs) It doesn't make grammatical sense, but it captures the magic of that moment so perfectly. The arrival in the sight of Jesus sparks wonder and joy. It sparked wonder and joy in the hearts of these strangers. And after adoring the baby Jesus and offering their hospitality as gets, as guests, they also received the gift of a dream from God himself, and they left that space by a different route, and they saved themselves, and they saved Jesus and his family from death. And when we contrast that, the same arrival stirred tremendous distress in the heart of Herod. When we read that he was greatly disturbed, it actually means that he experienced a great emotion of the mind. And the implications of this mean that he became dark and brooding, not joyous, plagued with an unwell mind, perhaps even a mental health illness. He conveyed interest in this baby king, but when the Magi didn't return, he became enraged and murderous. So we see that these these two encounters, the encounter of the Magi with Jesus and the encounter of, of Herod to the news, as very starkly different, a contrived hospitality and a genuine hospitality with very different outcomes. And it it just, this past week, has really caused me to look at my own practice of hospitality. Do I joy a great joy very much when I'm with others? My deep desire is that all people if they come into my home or into my office, into my personal sphere, although right now I would recommend two meters. <laughs> two meters. But it, normally, that if you came into my personal sphere, that you would feel a warmth and a welcome um, with me. Now it says that hospitality should not be limited to its literal sense of receiving a stranger in our house, but that it's a fundamental attitude towards our fellow human being. And he writes that if we cling to our privacy and our property, that we shouldn't cling to our privacy and property, but instead that we need to empty ourselves of these things. He says, who will be our robber when everything that he wants to steal from us is our gift to him? And who can lie to us when when truth will serve him well? And who wants to sneak in our back door if our front door is wide open? You may be an introvert. You may lead a busy life. Maybe you live in a tiny space and don't feel like you have room. Maybe you don't have many material things to share. Maybe you're extroverted. You have a huge house and plenty of things to share with others. It doesn't matter how you identify. Wherever you find yourself, 
Whatever your situation, you are called to hospitality as an attitude and an approach to life. Now, this approach of of hospitality doesn't apply only to how we give, how we host, but also how we receive, how we are as guests. When we receive anything from another person, it allows them to see that they also have something to give. When I lived in Bolivia, I hosted numerous short-term teams throughout the years. And these teams, mostly from the USA and Canada, would come with like suitcases full of money and gifts. And I so want to tell this story. Should I tell the story? Um, so so this, this, this team from the States came down with a suitcase full of like Bible figures, like these talking white Bible figures. They, they would say things like, I am the way, the truth, and the life, or something from Moses, right? So, so these things were battery-operated, and they were white-fleshed biblical figures. So there was Jesus, and there was Moses, and there were all these, these action figures, I guess. So um, first of all, my girls couldn't understand it because it was English, <laughs> And second of all, they were battery-operated. So that meant that eventually the batteries died, and of course, we're not going to replace, we're not going to spend money on the battery. So I am the way, the truth, and the life started to sound like, I am the like, It was the worst. It was, I don't, I'm just going to leave it there. <laughs> Anyways. Plenty of money, plenty of gifts. They would come um, year after year. And, and to be honest, these gifts and, and these finances really helped the children's homes where I worked. Um, and invariably at the end of the time with us, the kids would gather their, their stuffies and their stickers and other favorite items, and they would want to give these gifts uh, to people on the team. Um, and the team members would be like, no, 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 I can't, I can't, no. I can't take your, your things. They felt so bad taking um, things from people who had so little. Um, and then eventually, as part of the orientation, I would counsel people to say, don't do that. Accept that gift that is being offered to you. Don't reject it. When you reject that little gift, you leave that little boy or girl feeling sad, thinking that their little stuffed giraffe or their sticker book has no value. Um, so it's really important to be a good guest as well as a good host, to receive well as well as to give well. Jesus came as both host and guest to this world, right? He created this blue dot. This is his home. He made this place, and yet he came to be a guest as well. Um, in the place that he made. He did not cling to his equality with God, but he emptied himself, and he became a man. The host of this world became a guest of this world. He inhabited both roles at the same time, and he has provided us with the greatest example of hospitality that we could ever ask for. It is so easy to fall into weak, anemic views of hospitality when we only view it through a modern and Western lens. So as we await the celebration of Jesus' birth, we also anticipate the death that is to come. 
Hospitality is making less of ourselves, more of others, even to the point of suffering and death. Several years ago, I was talking about the Easter story with a friend uh, who was a refugee from, from the Middle East, and he commented that we Westerners, we miss the nuances in Scripture, and he commented that we often fly over John 20, verse 6, 7, without realizing what we're reading. These verses say, Simon Peter, who was behind another disciple, arrived and he went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. And the cloth was lying folded up by itself, separate from the linen. And the cloth was lying folded up, separate from the linen. Have you ever paid much attention to that short statement? Have you ever wondered what that means? I never used to think much of it. But my friend shared a cultural insight with me that day that has stuck with me to this day. He told me that in his country, if a guest wasn't happy with their host's hospitality, he would leave the towels and the cloths in disarray and crumpled in his room. But if a guest was pleased with their host, he would leave his towels, his linens, neat and folded in his room. And this would send a message to the host, I'm going, but I will come back again. As we await the most wonderful time of the year, practice hospitality from a place of authenticity and openness. Consider if there is any measure of hostility in the way that you do or don't create spaces for other people, whether they be family members or strangers. Recall that being hospitable is not only about opening your place, but it's also a posture of the heart. And don't forget that a hospital attitude applies to being both a host and a guest. And above all, my dear friends, Cherish in your heart this promise that Jesus came. He was wrapped in cloth in a manger, but that the cloth in the tomb tells us that he will come back again. Amen. I'm just going to pray. God, you are so good. You are so hospitable, inviting us into your space. Lord, we come before you. We enter into your space. We thank you for the gloriousness of this day, the music and your presence among us. Prepare our hearts, Lord. Prepare our hearts to celebrate um, the joy of Christmas and as well to think upon what comes after Christmas, your death and your resurrection. Come, Jesus. Come quickly. Amen. Each week we close with a benediction, uh, also immediately following the service because we have to be out because Rice and graciously come in. There is a room downstairs with coffee and some treats this morning. If you're new to St. Clair, we'd love for you to join us. Uh, If you are a St. Clairite and you see someone new, please uh, show hospitality towards them because they're a stranger, so that seems biblically appropriate. Why don't we close with a benediction this morning? So as you go, family and friends of St. Clair, May you be willing to welcome the stranger. 
May you learn how to host people, but may you also remember to be a good guest because Jesus himself is host and guest. May the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen.